I am so glad you could join us. I'm your host, Mo Gaudat. This podcast is nothing more than a conversation between two good friends sharing inspiring life stories and perhaps some nuggets of wisdom along the way. This is your invitation to slow down with us. Welcome to Slow Mo. Thank you for joining me. I am hosting today a bit of a superwoman, like the kind that you get on Marvel movies or whatever, because I can actually not believe how much she reinvented herself through life to follow her passion, to do things that are important for her, but important for others and to impress and inspire others to follow their own passion and follow what they want in life. A couple of weeks ago, I received a message on Instagram. And before I opened it, I said to myself, I, I, just, I just will do whatever this person is asking me to do because it came from an account that was uh, called Girls Building Empires. And if you know anything about me whatsoever, I am 100% pro more feminine positions of influence in our world. I really, really think that the one thing that our world needs most is for us to act more from our feminine because we've built a hyper-masculine society based on capitalism and that's not serving anyone. So anyway, I opened the message and there she is, Carly Myers, who has a an online attempt to help millions of women, female entrepreneurs, to find success in what they do. Whatever it is that they do, small business, mega size business, Carly's attempting to help them. And she's not helping them out of a void. She has opened two incredibly successful online businesses herself. Even though in her uh, young years, uh, she was just passionate about dancing. So early in her career, she was a professional dancer in the West End. When I started stalking her after the message she sent me, I realized that I actually watched her on some of the musicals uh, here in the UK and um, incredibly successful, incredibly impressive, yet an injury stopped that career at the height of that career at that point in her life. And she ended up in a place where she had to do something new. Now, with that kind of success, she's also a mother of two busy doing all of the things that super women need to do. Looking good, being fit, taking the kids to school, taking care of all of the requirements of building a place that is nourishing for the kids and just putting them to bed to work late and make a difference. I got to know Carly when we met today. I was a guest on her podcast, Made for More. And uh, I have to tell you, I'm extremely impressed. I hope you will enjoy this conversation. I know I will with Carly Myers. Thank you so much for joining me. And thank you for inviting me. That was uh, very kind of you. Now, we don't prepare for those, by the way. Everyone should know that. So I want to talk uh, first about the, the professional dancing bit. So, so remember, what, what I do here in slow-mo is I try to live your life in this short hour, if I can. I want to live the experiences you've lived. And it's so glamorous. I actually vividly remember watching We Will Rock You when it was 
It was never supported by the critics, but we just loved it. I went three times and every one of you was so passionate, so beautiful, so engaged, and the music was amazing. And, you know, it looked so glamorous. But what is that life actually about to be a professional dancer in the West End? Not glamorous <laughs> at all. I can imagine. It's actually, it's actually crazy because the the reality of being in a show in the West End is that you do the same show for six days a week mm. or eight shows a week, six days a week for a year. So your actual day to day life is far from glamorous. It's the same thing every day. Every day, and when I say the same thing, I mean. You obviously what you're actually doing on stage is the same, but you also come off stage and because of the nature of how a show runs, you see the same person and the same person stands there and then the same person passes you that and then the same person you cross on wow. the stairs. So like the whole, the show is the same, but then backstage you live the same day pretty much. Groundhog Six day. Six days a week, 100%. And um, I, after my career, I actually had a personality test. You know when you have the Myers-Briggs test? Yeah. And it said, the worst job for you ever would be doing the same thing every day. <laughs> I was thinking, no wonder. I was bored. I was meant to be living out my life. But um, no, the actually being on stage and when you, you know, the elation that you feel watching We Will Rock You and that show, you do feel that as well as the dancer. Um, but it's really underpaid being a performer. Is it? Really, yeah. It's like my poorest time. So when I was in the West End, I would also have a job waitressing. So I'd like waitress in the daytime. I'd do um, my show at nighttime. Sometimes I'd then even go on and do a job in a bar or like dancing in a club or something to get some more money. So yeah, it's definitely underpaid. You work a lot. And I would say the toughest thing about the industry is that as soon as that year is done of that contract, you start again. So you go back to the auditions, you're now auditioning with the people that have just left college and they're fresh and they're young. And we spoke before about the fact that when I got injured and my dancing career finished, I was 24. That's actually quite old. And you know, Is when it? it's really yeah. old, yeah. yeah. And you know, you finish a job, you finish a show, so old. <laughs> But then you're coming out with like 18 year olds that are, you know, so fresh. They've got so much energy. Hungry, and yeah, they, exactly. Yeah. And they're, and you're starting again. So where is another job you would, a year later, you would at least hope that you'd be progressing and you'd be moving up in the performing world. You're very much starting again. And, and of course, of course you can go for lead parts and things, but I would say dancing is amazing. Dancing as a career is really tough. And had I known now, had I known then what I know now about what it really feels like to be fulfilled and happy and the most important things in life, I probably wouldn't have said that dancing would be the career for me. And it's interesting that life chose that for you. Yeah, it was never, I never thought of doing anything else. I foolishly thought I'd dance until I was 60. <laughs> I never, there was no plan B ever. There was nothing that I would ever, I never thought of anything else. And then I just started dabbling with the idea of like, maybe I want something more. Maybe, you know, I need a bit more stability. I want to have a family one day. This career does not lend itself to having a family. Um, so I'd started to think of other things that I could do. And then that's when I went to the audition. I got injured very instantly. T tell me a bit about that. So, 
So, what happened? What injury? Why? What was going on? So I'd had a little bit of time of thinking, is this career for me still? You know, maybe I want to look at other things. And then I thought, no, I'm going to go for it. I've only got a couple of years left anyway. Let's go all in with it. So I lined up some auditions, went to the audition, did a split leap, went over on, I was like wearing heels, tore all the ligaments oh. in my foot. And, uh, and it just went. And the craziest thing is the ambulance came. It was literally just around the corner from here. The ambulance came and uh, they just shuffled me off to the side. They put me on a stretcher, carried me off. The audition kept going. So I was on the phone to my dad oh, saying, Dad, wow. I'm, I'm going to hospital. There's an ambulance here. And it's like in the background, oh, like it's wow. full audition. But I think that's probably a good um, insight into the industry. You're very forgettable. Mm, very uh, replaceable. Replaceable, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so then I just, that was the end of it really. But honestly, had you have said two years before that you're going to get a career ending injury, it would have felt devastating. But at the time I almost felt relief because I thought, I know it, the universe life chose has got for me. me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know I the universe has nudge, got me. Yeah. I know this is sending me down a path that I'm meant to go. And I can't say that it was the easiest transition. I can't say that I got injured and then I was like, this is where I'm meant to be. And then I found my purpose. Because I think when you have known what you're going to do from such a young age, to then find yourself having no idea what to do and you need to find it, I found that quite tough. But I just decided to lean into loads of things. Like we were saying earlier, you just lean into things and try stuff and feel it out. And that's how I ended up. Yeah. When we say earlier, by the way, oh, uh, be it's, beca it's because Carly and I recorded me on her podcast, which actually was quite an unusual conversation for me. We spoke about topics that I don't usually cover. So if you have the time, go and uh, listen to us on uh, Made for More. I think that you will like that conversation. So Carly, I never really say that to anyone because I am a huge believer that people should follow their passion. But like you, I, I, I get quite a few struggling artists, musicians, dancers, and so on, which in an interesting way are, I don't know how to say it diplomatically, brainwashed from childhood with that glamorous, uh, you know, life, light, uh, you know, being famous and so on. And I have to admit to you, until I read your story, I never knew really that it was actually that complex. I, you know, even if you made it, it is still very complex. Even if you're on stage and I'm tilting my head up to look at you, it's still a struggle. Now, what would you advise someone who's the 18 year old now that is going to become, that dreams of becoming that dancer in the West End or in Hollywood or wherever? It's a really tough one because my advice in all areas of business or achieving anything normally is to go all in and I would say that if you want to be successful in, every, in anything you have to give it your sole focus and you have to really go for it. If I look back at my journey had I had something that was paying my bills I could have enjoyed dancing a lot more but when my passion became my income mm -hmm. it shifted the whole balance of it it really mm. took the joy away from it and it was a completely different situation so i would say to anyone starting out go all in with it and you need to love 
every aspect of it in order to be a dancer if you're or a performer of any kind if you don't love an aspect of it you're probably not going to enjoy it so you need to want it 100 if you want it 100 go all in with it but just have an idea of something that you can build alongside it something that takes care of the money side of your life and gives you that stability because that's going to enable you to keep the joy Mm. in it i think Actually, this is an advice that I normally give to anyone, uh, believe it or not. I tend to believe that it's very, 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 very rare to find your passion fully fulfilled at work. And so one one alternative to, to fulfill your passion would actually be to not get it to pay the bills. I never uh, sponsored slow-mo, will never sponsor slow-mo, I hope. And, uh, you know, and, and, and it, it allows me to do whatever I want, whenever I want, meet the nicest people and, and just enjoy it. This is because I can actually fulfill my needs through other ventures, if you want, business ventures that are not dictating what slow-mo is about. And I think most people forget that idea of, hey, by the way, you can just work to make money that's the function of work. And you can also live your passion alongside the work. I just want to ask you this because I really, really, so I, I went to We Will Rock You four times. Mm-hmm. Every time my family, Ali, Aya and Nibel at the time, we were still all together. And every time we would come to London, you know, you have to, to watch a musical in London and then we would disagree about which one and then end up in We Will Rock You again. And especially the time at the time, Brian May actually showed up at the end and played the solo. And so I was like, yeah, Brian May, favorite guitarist, mm-hmm. one of the fave top three. So let's go. Right. And I, I tilt my head up. Hmm? And one of my top hobbies, believe it or not, when I go to a theatrical show is to try to see beyond the mask. So I would look at the performers and actually try to sense how they feel. Are they actually that happy and joyful when they're doing it? Or is there pain inside? You can observe those tiny little body language, facial expressions. I can imagine that the first few times you were on stage, it was like an amazing rush. How did it end up? There's always like a, a process for me. So the when a show first opens and you have the press night and it's new and it's it's exciting that is pure elation you mm. know when you're getting the, the standing ovation and you've you've nailed that routine and it's it that is pure elation and then just as it goes on it just becomes so on autopilot i don't want to ruin you don't, the, you don't feel it just don't feel it i don't want to ruin the, the thing for you but most of the time they're thinking about what they're having for dinner. Like they're literally going through the motions, doing the thing. And they're like, I don't know what I'm going to have for dinner today. Oh, I need to get that tube at 11.30. I need to try and get change really quickly so that I can try and get the tube. And they just, it's wow. not, you're not, it becomes muscle memory. So you're not even really there, to be honest. Uh. Well, I mean, that was certainly for me. There, there, There's definitely some like full diehard performers that, say they feel it every time Mm. like I I hope that's true for them but for me I just didn't I just wasn't there I mean I I actually feel like that's probably a pattern for a lot of that phase of my life I feel like I wasn't really quite quite there but it's just thinking about other stuff and then there's also the part where in performing there's no I'm not feeling well today I need to look after myself yeah I'm going to stay off so 
there is a good half of the people there that will be going through, dancing through an injury. They will be really ill. Yeah. They will, you know, if, if it wasn't for getting tested for COVID, most of them would have been performing through COVID. You know, there, there, it's a real kind of attitude of unless you are on your last legs, yeah. you don't go off. Yeah. So, yeah, I can't, I wouldn't imagine that everyone you see is loving it. I feel sad to say that. I feel like I've just ruined the magic. There is magic, but there is also reality. I think that matters. So you, you're now injured. You walk out of that place. You go to the- Carried out. Carried mortifyingly out. on a stretcher. Screaming like, <laughs> screaming no. like football I was players. I air. I was off my face, waving. Oh, seriously, still in the yeah. audition. Yeah, still <laughs> waving as I, as I go away. No, it was mortifying. It was so embarrassing. And so what, then what happens? So I called my dad and he said, I think it's a sign that you need to do something else. So- I remember, I mean, at that point I couldn't do anything. So I couldn't waitress or I, you know, I'd always had a waitressing job to keep me, keep me going. I couldn't waitress or anything. And then I started thinking about something else I could do. So I actually started my first business, which was called Carly Can Make That. <laughs> That's, is that like a reminder to you? <laughs> yeah. It's like every, anytime you think it's difficult, just remember, Carly, Carly can, make, can that. make that. Yeah. But I actually used to make, I started sewing. Uh -huh. And so I used to make clothes for people. And the idea was that someone would say, oh, I really want a pink skirt. And someone would say, oh, Carly can make that. And then- Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, it's cute, isn't it? Yeah. In theory. But um, <laughs> I didn't really understand the concept of trading time for money. Mm. And I realized that there's only so many clothes I can make in a day. Me with my, you know, lonely sewing machine. Are you good at it? I am actually, yeah. I taught myself. I have a- Can you make black t-shirts? I can make black t-shirts. Carly there can is, make that. There, I know, exactly. <laughs> there is an abundance of black t-shirts though. So I feel like it's quite a, a tough market to get into it's black t-shirts. It's quite easy actually. Yeah. <laughs> but, for, for, you know, I have an abundance of choice. I don't even know the do. brand. I yeah. know, exactly. Yeah. But no, so I started making stuff and then realized that I just, I was sewing for like, 12 hours a day and then I would make no money. I had no idea at that time of how to price my my time and what my resources and what I was using. And I'd be making like £2.40 for the day. And Ugh. I was like, this is terrible. So decided not to do that anymore because turns out you need to earn a bit more than £2.40 yeah, a day. Carly can make that, but should not oh, yeah, be making Yeah, she should that. not be making that. That was the full brand. <laughs> exactly, yeah, on a budget. Um, so I packed up that business. And how, then, how long did you stay in there? Um, I did that probably for about a year. I also made some terrible outfits as well. Like someone got me to do their bridesmaid dresses and I did them really quite badly. And now I feel awful because that was like an important day. So anyway, I realized that actually this isn't, this isn't where my skills lie, but I learned a lot. And then I actually went to work for Apple. So I went to work in, started off in the store, helping people with their, Apple ID passwords and mm -hmm. doing all of that stuff. And then I started, and then I moved on to their business team and was working with some of the, the business areas. And I did, I did love that, but I hated being told when to go for lunch. Like I get so hangry <laughs> yeah. and if I'm hungry, I want to eat now. Otherwise, like, it's just not a good the customer's version not gonna of me. Get, no, yeah, yeah. you know, when... 80-year-old Cliff comes in with his Apple ID again. If you mix that with me being hungry, it's terrible. I'm like, just oh. sort it out. Sort your password out. I don't know. Just want a pret sandwich. Leave me alone. So I just really hated those restrictions. I hated, 
I remember walking to work and just thinking, this is so not for me. I hate this. I hate getting up and going to this job. So I knew that having a job was not for me. And then that's when I started my social marketing business. So I started that and at, at the beginning was really just playing around and had no idea what I was doing. And then really understood the idea of passive income and not trading your time for money and building an asset that keeps paying you and you do the work now and it keeps paying you, you know, for future generations. And that was amazing. It completely opened my eyes, but it also very much cemented the belief in me to work really, really hard now to be able to live a happy life in the future. Uh-huh. Delayed is, gratification yeah, at its best. Which was so interesting. And I, I've always... I've always worked so hard. That's been drilled into me. Like as a child, I've always grown up with the belief and the, we, we've always worked hard. My brother's a professional ice hockey player. I was a professional dancer. My parents are really successful as well. I grew up watching Field of Dreams and Any Given Sunday and I would replay that Al Pacino speech. And even when I was at school, you know, when I was at college, I moved into my room and around the bedroom I painted now, in hindsight, is the worst thing I could have done. I painted the words to The World's Greatest by R. Kelly. He's the worst role model now. <laughs> really regret that decision, but the words of the song are good. So I've always been in that place of, you know, like working hard and striving and things like that. And starting that business was incredible. And it really cemented the idea of working really hard, but it kind of went into overdrive mm. a little bit mm. to an unhealthy Point, I would say. Let me interrupt this podcast for a minute to tell you about Motion Ladies Fitness Center in Dubai. Motion was started by my wonderful ex-wife Nibel to give the women of Dubai a place where they can feel free to be themselves unapologetically. This month, Motion is celebrating 10 years of giving the women of Dubai health, fitness, happiness, and well-being. And today, Motion could not be more successful and could not be more loved. Obviously, Motion is not a sponsor of this podcast. As a matter of fact, Nibel is not even aware that I am doing this. This is just my way of saying how proud I am of a woman that made her dream come true a woman that has had the most profound impact on my life and has helped make me the man that I am today. If any of you listening is a woman living in Dubai, I'll leave you a link in the show notes. Go pay Motion a visit. You will absolutely love it. I know you a little. Enough, I think, so far. To know that you do that, you push yourself. If you put your mind to something, you're really going to put your absolute best in it. Mm -hmm. And I think the question is, where is the line? Because the absolute best of anyone is 24 hours a day, mm -hmm. right? Until you fall asleep involuntarily, you're supposed to keep going, right? Mm -hmm. How do you draw that line now? You know, being superwoman that has needs to have time for the kids and needs to have time for researching your, we're going to talk about that, your own happiness and your own balance and so on. So where do you find that balance? 
I've only recently found that balance and I've only found the balance because I found myself so far from where I wanted to be. It just really scared me. So I found myself at the beginning of the pandemic at the height of my success really in business. So I'd already reached a really high level of success in my performing career. And then obviously I got injured and then I started out again and I started out in business and I'd found myself at a point where I was earning more money than I'd ever earned before. I was getting recognition and I had this status and I had so much, everything that I'd strived for, I, I had, and I had these, two, this, I had, at that point I had one, I had my son and, uh, and I found myself at a point where I felt so happy. I felt so, oh, I'm so happy. You know, like we'd gone into lockdown. I was spending all my time with my partner and my son. It was such a simple life. And I thought, I've cracked it. I've absolutely cracked it. I'm so successful. I'm so happy. This is it. And then as the lockdown went on, I then went on to have another baby. So my daughter, Margot. And obviously that brings lots of different emotions and things like that. But what happened in my business was that obviously the bubble of that time burst a little bit. My income started to drop. My The recognition was dropping because I wasn't speaking on stages anymore. I wasn't getting that constant validation of you're amazing, you're amazing. And it was just me at home with my family. And I started to doubt myself and feel like I really like lost a lot of self-worth and I started to look at myself and think I'm not achieving anything I haven't what have I done like what look at my my income's going down you know my business seems to be not thriving and I really got into a place of feeling so I felt like a failure I felt like this is look at me I've got I've got nothing I'd completely forgotten everything that I've achieved in my life. And as an outsider looking in, you'd say, but you've achieved all this. I forgot it all. And I felt like I just hadn't done anything. And at that point, I had these two beautiful children, a beautiful home, beautiful relationship. And I realized that when you strip away the money and the success, I was unhappy. Mm. And that was such a sad realization. Mm. I just found myself in that moment I felt so rubbish about myself felt like I'd achieved nothing I had a beautiful life that I and I was unhappy and I thought come on Carly like you've done so much work on yourself and this is where you find yourself you take your paycheck away and this is what's at the core of you and it just really it really shocked me that I'd got myself into that place and so that's when I started to change things. And I, I read a book called From Strength to Strength by Arthur Brooks. And he said that the majority of the highest achievers in life end their life far unhappier than the people who have achieved nothing. And I thought, if I get to the end of my life and I'm unhappy, that is a failure. I failed. Oh. I failed the game of life. And I just thought, I cannot, I don't want to do this. I don't want to work as hard as I'm working and do what I'm doing and get to the end of my life and feel miserable and completely disregard everything that I've achieved because I'm so obsessed with achieving more. So it's only when I really got to that point that I started thinking I need to find a balance. I need to have a shift here. I need to mix things up. And that's when I just started to really tune into what makes me happy. And like, 
what is it? And then I discovered it's the, the things that make me happiest are when we're all together as a family. So my partner, me and my kids, the simplest moments, that's what makes me happiest. So then I started making decisions in my business thinking, well, how can I get more of that? At the moment, my partner works loads. He's also an entrepreneur. And so my drive now is not, I want to make loads of money because I want to get this amazing house and I want to get this amazing car, but I want to make more money so that Kirk can be home with us more and then we get the happier life. You know what I mean? And you're, you have more of those happy moments. So I would say the balance now is that every decision I make in my business just points towards a happier life. If it makes us happier, I do it. If it doesn't make us happier, I That do is it. so wise. That is so wise. I mean, it's it's actually quite interesting. I, I, I'll just take a minute to talk about this because people who are constantly feeling a high because of achievement and success and money and so on are in the mm -hmm. dopamine uh, zone. You know, that's not happiness. This is constant reward triggers positive emotions that we mix with happiness. And basically they sort of numb our brains long enough not to think about what our true calm and peaceful contentment is all about. And I think that the issue is, of course, if you're used to achievement as the reason to be happy, then once achievement goes away, the opposite becomes true. I'm very unhappy. And, and I think the idea of you saying, hold on, hold on, why am I doing all of this? The lie that the, that the modern world has told me that if I do this and achieve that and I'm in that place and the spotlight is on me, I'll be happy. Obviously, people who achieve this don't eventually end up being happy. As you rightly said, they're on stage and feeling bored. You know, the spotlight is on them, but the dopamine hit is not hitting anymore. Because all they're thinking is, I wish I was playing the lead. Or at least I was in that <laughs> oh, that's such show. an interesting thing. There's always something else that you want other than what 100%. you have. percent. Like we know when I first got the the pinnacle of any performer's career is I want to get to the West End. And I promise you, as soon as I got to the West End, I was thinking, I wish I was a cover. I wish I was covering the lead. Or that new show's just opened up. I wish I was in that. And mm. you just feel so unsatisfied with where you are. And I've lived my whole life like that. Of I've achieved some amazing things and I can look back on them now and feel so proud of them. But my entire life, I would achieve something. I'd strive so much. I'm tunnel vision when I want something. Like I fully believe that I can do anything that I put my mind to. And that's how I've always grown up. My parents taught me that. And so when I want something, I'm tunnel vision on it. I never take my eye off it. And then as soon as I achieve it, I cannot even take 30 minutes probably to celebrate it, I'm instantly onto the next thing. I'm like, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? And the reality is when you're 90 years old, you are not gonna be achieving at the same rate as you did when you were 20 years old. So of course, you're not gonna be happy. If you base your happiness on the fact that you're constantly achieving, you're not gonna be happy in the later stages of your life. And so I really have learned to celebrate my success so in my community with my with my entrepreneurs that I teach every week I say what's your goal for the week or I say what's your win of the week and how are you choosing to celebrate it today and it's the that's the key bit is learning how to celebrate the things that you are achieving because if you always are focused on 
I need this, I need this, I need this. And you never celebrate the tiny little things. You never feel like you're achieving anything. And the truth is, it's these tiny little things that make up the big successes. But if you're only celebrating every two years when you achieve something big, <laughs> my God, 90% of your journey is miserable. The whole journey, as a matter of fact, yeah. because when when you celebrate, you're celebrating for half an hour out of two years. That's, yeah. That doesn't count, really. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's really been been the shift. I mean, we can talk so much about hustling and what that looks like because that's been a whole a whole journey for me, but really just celebrating it's not it, I used to think that it's really self-indulgent to celebrate your successes, uh, and it's just not, is it? You know, it's to actually tap in 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 the UK, we never tap ourselves on the back and say, oh, "I was really good at that." Let me that. not talk about this. Let me talk, <laughs> not talk about how you don't celebrate, you don't share some things. I mean, it's quite interesting, actually, but it's not just in the UK. I think in, in and actually it's not specifically in the UK. I think it's a lot more in London mm-hmm. that we focus so much. People focus so much on that battle of life, that pace, that constant attempt for, I need to do better, I need to do more, I need to rush a little more, I need to walk a little faster. And I don't understand that. I, re- I really don't get it because it's not the way I do things. But at the same time, it's it's quite prominent how we, in every busy city in the world, just prioritize the hustle, as you rightly said, and, and never really prioritize life itself, I think. Can I ask you then, you're helping so many female entrepreneurs to succeed, are you telling them don't hustle? I'm not telling them don't hustle. I actually, there's been a real like, there's two sides to the hustle, I think. You've got the the Gary V who started it that was so pro hustle and you know, you need to do it until you're literally dying on the floor and it's worth the hustle. Then you've got the other camp of people that are like, just let go, allow, let it come in, think it and it will arrive in your life. And I'm somewhere in the middle mm. now i was very pro pro hustle so interesting how you sounded so different when you said each other and and honestly that's probably the um it's the mix between masculine and feminine as well it isn't is it 100% yeah one one is all about doing and the other is all about being yeah 100% yeah. and i think in my uh quest to prove how incredible women are in mm you know, in business and how much we've got to give. I've lived a lot in my masculine energy and I'm very like red personality, go, 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 go. And gradually I've learned to bring in a little bit of my feminine energy. But I really think how I feel about the hustle now is that it's not about sitting back and just letting it come in and just thinking it and thinking, you know, if I just sit here and do nothing, it'll happen. It's also not about trying to control everything and make it happen in a certain way at a certain time in the exact same way that you think it. I think it's now about having work ethic. I think work ethic is one of the most incredible things you can have. And I will teach that always to my kids. But the hustle should only be towards the happiest version of you or the most fulfilled version of you and the most fulfilled life. So how I think about the hustle now, I was talking to my partner with it about it. And I was saying the hustle is worth it if the end goal is the happiest version. The hustle is not worth it if the end goal is just more money. But if you're, because he said, well, what, what about if someone is in a job and they hate that job, but at the once they get to a certain point, they'll have a massive pay rise and then they can go on great holidays with their kids. <laughs> I said, well, that's not, it's not worth it because in order to get that paycheck, you still have to do the job that you hate. 
you're still spending a huge amount of time of your week doing something that you hate. It's only worth it if it leads you to a life where every day you're living your life on purpose and in the way that you want to. So I think I still believe in the hustle. You hustle. You hustle for your podcast. Like I've seen your setup. I see how hard you work on it. I see that you're traveling all over the world. But the difference is you're hustling for a purpose. You have something you're passionate about and you're spreading something and it's there's a deeper reason for the hustle. It's not because if I keep hustling, I'll get loads of recognition. I'll get loads of money. I'll get whatever. I promise you, you have no idea how many things I give up on and lose a lot of money just because they're not making me happy. Yeah, exactly. And it's what you do right now is it's such a good, healthy hustle because it's bringing you more joy and it's making you even happier throughout the hustle. Where I think the hustle doesn't work is when you are sacrificing your life, your health, your happiness in order to achieve something that doesn't bring you any, any more joy. And that's been the shift for me. I can honestly say that I, if I look back into the time where I was most, I don't want to say miserable, but... <laughs> you can, you can. It was, I wasn't fulfilled. I was quite empty. I would say that I was a workaholic to the same detriment of an alcoholic Ugh. or a drug addict. Mm -hmm. The reason I say that is because of the traits. I would hide that I was working. Would you? Mm -hmm. So stupid, Kurt would go upstairs to do, he'd be like, let's have a time off. Let's just sit and, and, and chill. He'd go upstairs to go and do something and I'd get my laptop out and I'd do it, do something, and then I'd put it back. And it's like a, it would be like a fix, uh -huh. you know, just to feel like I have to be moving, I have to be doing something. I'd get defensive if someone called me out on it, if he said, you work too much. I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> you know, and and it was just really unhealthy. And honestly, I recognized that some of the traits that I have in my obsession with working, an obsession with achieving, an obsession with always doing, it was similar to that of an alcoholic or something. It was destructive. It was bad behavior. Mm. But I can honestly say, since I've had this epiphany and since I, I come back to my happiness compass now, every decision I make is on my happiness compass. If it, if it takes me to a happier life, I do it. And I've never experienced more success in my life. I am totally convinced it's of that. It's crazy. Yeah. It's honestly crazy. Yeah. And I said to you when we first, when we first got chatting today, I said, it feels effortless. Mm -hmm. And you were like, what? We're two kids. Two kids under three. It feels effortless. Honestly, success feels effortless right now. And it's because I'm happier than ever. That's the only thing that I'm striving towards is just a happier life. And it's all just flowing. Who knew? Who? You knew. And I, I, actually, <laughs> I actually built my entire career on happiness, believe it or not. Even through my, my complex corporate years, first I was very grumpy. But then when I started to find my own happiness, my entire success was built on the idea of building the happiest part of the company I worked in so that I can attract the top talent because everyone just wants to be happy. So if I could get the most talented people to want to work for me because they're happiest with me than they are at any other uh, department, then I will succeed as a result of that. But that's also, I think, the way life is. Life, as I always say, has no purpose other than to be lived. So think of yourself, if, if you were life, what would you want? You would want to be lived. 
And so those who are not living, they're literally fighting the nature of life. They're just trying to grab from life. But if you want to actually live life a fulfilled, full life, life will help you. Life will say, yeah, yeah, sure. I'll make you successful because you're living me. It's quite an interesting way. And then happy people, by definition, they attract people to them. They People want to help you. They want to buy from you. They want to talk to you. They want, right? It just becomes easier. It's quite interesting. You, you said you were more in your masculine and now you're in your feminine. Mm-hmm. I can't skip that topic. <laughs> I can't. I can't. This is my, my wish for the whole world. Men and women, mm-hmm. straight or gay, that's my wish for the, for the world, is to, is to find that balance of masculine and feminine in you. So what was that experience? Tell me some of the things that you changed, some of the things that were hyper-masculine and now are more feminine. What are you enjoying more? What's going on? I am... Leaning into motherhood more. Oh, there you go. I feel like I was so scared of losing myself and losing my ambition and losing what makes me me when I became a mum that I almost resisted motherhood slightly. Mm-hmm. And I was so like, my career was still kind of, I'm ashamed to say that my career was still kind of my priority. Mm-hmm. And I'm just leaning more into motherhood and prioritizing that time more. I'm fitting my business around my life, not mm. so much my life around my business. Mm. And there's, be- I mean, honestly, I was getting my son changed the other day and he was chatting away and and I had a little moment that like, I've done this same thing for the last three years. I've got him out of the bath and I've got him changed. And it's probably the first time that I was so in the moment. Beautiful. It was, so, it was honestly so beautiful. And then I thought, what the hell have you been doing for the last three years? Like... How have you missed all these moments? But I've just been really prioritizing that, which has brought out a beautiful, nurturing, loving part of me, which I'm then giving to my community. So Mm -hmm. all I think about now is just how can I serve my community as opposed to how can I hit this target? How can I reach that income goal? How can I get to this status level i'm just thinking like how can i just keep helping these women to become more and it's that nurturing motherly side of me i think that's coming out more and how is that affecting your success you're saying you're much more successful oh no it's it's affecting it so much more i mean i've always said that if you focus on serving you will always you know, receive everything that you want. And I think I was saying it and probably still coupling it with that, like, Mm. yeah, but I also want to hit goals. (laughs) (laughs) I also want to make the money. But now I think I just truly am focusing on like, so I've got a a membership, I've got a community where it's called The Sisterhood and it's all female entrepreneurs and I do like a live Q&A and we do a mindset call and things like that. And there's just no real agenda to it. It's just like, how can I keep you on track with your goals? How can I keep you feeling like you're made for more and wanting to be more and keep striving? And and exactly like you say, when you get the messages from someone saying, thank you so much, because of you, I've gone on and done this, or because of you, I stood up to this person, or because of you, I, I feel this way about myself. That's incredible when you get those Enjoy. messages. Yeah. But it's so interesting when you say that if you serve, life will serve you, sort of. 
that's very, very anchored in the feminine. And I think the, uh, the challenge for me is that we have, you know, I always remind myself with the image of being in a white water raft, if you want. The masculine will try to resist the river while the feminine will actually just flow with the river and stabilize themselves every now and then with one strike or another. But then the problem is we don't see that impact immediately because doing seems to be measurable in terms of results. Mm -hmm. So if you just go and resist life and have a target and objective and just go for it and say, next month we're going to increase our membership by that many and it's going to mean that much and so on. You can measure it. But if you tell yourself, I'm just going to be nurturing for my members, I'm going to be present, I'm going to be kind, I'm going to, to serve, which is very feminine, eventually a very long time, maybe a year or two away, your membership is blowing up, right? You can't attribute this to doing because it's, you know, it's all about who you became. It's about being, it's about who you are, which is very feminine. And I think business has missed that. And I think we've built a world that was more around succeed and make money and grow the numbers, mm -hmm. but not at all about, and who are you in that process, which is a lot more feminine than masculine, I think. Yeah, definitely. I think it needs to be a good mix of the two. You know, like yeah. you've got the the very spiritual coaches, which are obviously very much in their feminine and they could do with a little bit more masculine. And it's like, it's in the middle. Mm. So if you look at Girls Building Empires, when we rebranded it, the colors we use, it was very, it was initially very pale pink. Mm. That was the color of it. It's very feminine, very girly. Mm -hmm. And, and I believe that you do need a little bit of masculine in it. So our branding colors are the pale pink and then this deep navy blue, which mm. is the the masculine. And I think it's a good mix of the feminine and masculine. There's beautiful it's energies the balance, yeah. in, in the masculine energy as well. You know, there's beautiful yeah. characteristics. And then there's also the feminine as well, which is such a key part. So yeah. beautiful. So what's next? What is next? I just, honestly, I want it. I'm kind of, I feel a little bit like you in the sense that I just want to get this message out there. I, I want more women to understand that this mediocre life that they're living, it doesn't need to be that way. And this feeling of, mm, I can't be a present mum and also have my career, or I can't be a present mum and fulfill my potential. It's that that upsets me, you know, and I think you can be both of them. And I honestly believe that it's such a powerful example to your kids. If your kids look at you and say, she is living to her potential, like whatever my mum decides that she wants to be, she goes and does it. What a powerful example, as opposed to some, you know, your kids saying, oh, one day I want to be a footballer. But then, yeah, but my mum wanted to be a a singer yeah. and she never went for it. So, you know, I think the idea that or my- a dancer. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, I just think that through our actions, it teaches so much, especially to our children. And I just I want agree. every woman to understand that we're so powerful and, and man, like I want everyone to understand that we are so powerful. Oh, when it powerful. comes to children, I will say this openly, I think for the early years of a child's life, it is the mom. It's the feminine. It's the feminine, whether it's the mom or some families are, are reversed. The, the feminine is on the man's side or some families are two men or two women. The feminine, I think, is what, what's most nurturing for a child in their early years. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that to professional women that are out there in the business world trying to succeed and you're trying to say to them, remember your families as well. Remember your families as well. 
And you can combine the two. You can be great at both, but you have to be smart. When people talk about balance, I get that question all the time. People say, how do you balance your career and your family? And the truth is there is never an equal balance of the two. If you're trying to be a you know a big career woman and be a present mum, you are never nailing both of them at the same time. And I now don't strive to nail both of them at the same time. We talk about seasons. There's seasons in, in my life where my family are my full priority. There's other seasons in my life where certain things are happening in my business and for a short period of time, that takes a little bit more. But as long as when I look at my calendar, all the things that are important to me are in there in some capacity, that's when I know that I'm living balanced. They're not in on equal measures, but they're all in there. And that's what's important. Pure wisdom. I'm going to close with my typical question because I know you're working on a We're not, not say what were you're working on, but your happiness is a big part of what you're working on now. So what is happiness to you? Happiness to me is getting to a place in your own personal development where you truly accept who you are and you can celebrate who you are. Hmm. Accept who you are, not strive for who you are not. I'll take that. <laughs> Not only about yourself, but about everything else. Such a, a pleasure to get to know you, such a joy to have this conversation and such an honor to know that some people out there are actually interested in the success of others the way you are. I think it makes a massive difference. And I hope that uh, some of the women that listen to us today will maybe rethink a few of their priorities and hopefully find you to find a way to find more of their success. I'm very, very grateful that you joined me today. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I'm so grateful too. And for all of you, I'm very grateful that you give me the opportunity to meet so many interesting people, talk about so many interesting topics. Uh, I think the idea of balance between the constant hustle and what matters to you, the idea of balance between getting the income you need, but also actually doing things for your joy and asking yourself, is this going to make me just richer or is it going to make me happier in the long term? You know, I always talk about hopefully at the end of my life, becoming a billionaire with 1 billion happy people instead of $1 billion. I think most of us don't really think about the target that we're chasing in life. And that often, if we actually chase a target that includes our own happiness, it would probably be a more worthwhile target than just our money and success. It just lights up my day and my week and my months when I find a woman that's actually finding that balance, that's finding that path to success, but not giving up on what makes her, her. And probably, That is the reason why I wanted you to listen to Carly today. I think there is a lot in Carly's manic attempt to live the life that she always wanted, whether that was dancing or entrepreneurship, that ended up at a place where she recognizes that the life that she always wanted is just really who she is. It reflects on what it is that she wants to be in the world. With that, I am going to remind you of all of the silly stuff that you have to do just so that we can keep going, like 
clicking and liking and sharing and subscribing and I don't know what else you do on social media. Just do that stuff so that I don't have to ask you to do it. Rate the podcast five stars if you enjoyed it and tell others about it. I'm sure you know a few women that could benefit from this conversation today. And uh, whatever you do uh, this week, just give yourself a tiny bit of time to reflect about what matters to you because it doesn't matter how busy you are this week. Uh, there's always a tiny bit of time to slow down. I love you all for listening and I will see you next time.